With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everyone. Jim Strader in the studio for this Memorial Day weekend. Welcome aboard. It's going to be a different kind of show, folks. We're going to do a lot of quotes. We're going to share some audio from presidential speeches. And we're going to do what we ought to be doing on Memorial Day. We're going to honor those people who gave their lives so we could be free. Now, basically, what I'm saying here is we owe our abilities to hunt, fish, shoot, enjoy the outdoors to those people who gave their lives for the freedoms that we enjoy in this country. In that regard, I have a Memorial Day speech that Ronald Reagan, President Reagan, gave And I think it says it very eloquently. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. The price for this freedom at times has been high, but we have never been unwilling to pay that price. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses, or stars of David. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. Each one of those markers is a monument to the kind of hero I spoke of earlier. Their lives ended in places called Bellow Wood, the Argonne, Omaha Beach, Salerno, and halfway around the world on Guadalcanal, Tarawa, Porkchop Hill, the Chosin Reservoir, and in a hundred rice paddies and jungles of a place called Vietnam. Under one such marker lies a young man, Martin Treptow, who left his job in a small town barber shop in 1917 to go to France with the famed Rainbow Division. There on the Western Front, he was killed trying to carry a message between battalions under heavy artillery fire. We're told that on his body was found a diary. On the flyleaf, under the heading, My Pledge, he had written these words. America must win this war. Therefore, I will work, I will save, I will sacrifice, I will endure. I will fight cheerfully and do my utmost as if the issue of the whole struggle depended on me alone. 
we must realize that no arsenal or no weapon in the arsenals of the world is so formidable as the will and moral courage of free men and women. It is a weapon our adversaries in today's world do not have. It is a weapon that we as Americans do have. Let that be understood by those who practice terrorism and prey upon their neighbors. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. And ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. If you listen closely to that, President Reagan's voice broke just as mine. This is a special time, and I think what he said rings as true today as it did when he made that speech. Coming back from break, we're going to hear about an individual who is a Congressional Medal of Honor recipient. His name is Ed Freeman. He passed in 2008 with a little fanfare from the media. But I think you'll find this story very compelling. We're going to break here. It's presented by SMI Marine, 11400 Westport Road. Your best bet for all your marine and boat repairs. Check them out. And remember, you never get soaked at SMI. Welcome back to Jim Strader Outdoors, folks. As we mentioned at the start of the broadcast, this is a special edition of Jim Strader Outdoors in that we are honoring those who gave their lives so that we could enjoy freedom in this country, which is a very, very privileged situation for us to enjoy in that some obviously gave their all. This next piece that I've chosen is not about someone who lost their life in battle. It's about an individual who gave their life to this country and did something in battle that I find so remarkable and so compelling that I thought I ought to share it with you. And it's a Vietnam-era Congressional Medal of Honor recipient who died in 2008, unfortunately received very little notice from the press. I suspect that's probably because some of the bias about Vietnam. But this story is not about politics. This story is not about uh, whether or not we should have been in this war. This is about valor dedication, and bravery that's almost indescribable. Uh, Ed Freeman, the gentleman that received the Congressional Medal of Honor, was a helicopter pilot in Vietnam. And his exploits in a particular situation where he was in an unarmed helicopter attempting to save his fellow soldiers is very exemplary of the valor and the bravery and the loyalty to our country that those who have passed before us have received. So in memoriam, Ed Freeman, thank you, sir, for service to our country. You're a 19-year-old kid. You're critically wounded and dying in the jungles in the Idrang Valley. It's November 14, 1965, in a place called Landing Zone X-Ray, Vietnam. Your infantry unit is outnumbered 8 to 1, and the enemy fire is so intense 
from 100 or 200 yards away that your own infantry commander has ordered the medevac helicopters to stop coming in. You're lying there listening to the enemy machine guns that are all around you, and you know you're not getting out this time. Your family is halfway around the world, 12,000 miles away, and you'll never, ever see them again. As the world starts to fade in and out, you know this is your day. Then over the machine gun noise, you faintly hear that sound of a helicopter. And you look up to see an unarmed Huey. But it doesn't seem real. Because no medevac markings are on it. Someone is coming for you. And his name is Ed Freeman. He's not medevac. So it's not his job. But he's flying his Huey down into the machine gun fire. After the medevacs were ordered not to come. Ed Freeman decided he's coming anyway. And he drops in. He sits there in the machine gun fire as they load two or three of you on board. Then he flies up and out through the gunfire to the waiting doctors and nurses. And Ed Freeman doesn't do this once. He does it 13 more times. He takes about 30 of you and your buddies out who would have never gotten out if it weren't for his valor. Medal of Honor recipient Ed Freeman died just recently at the age of 80 in Boise, Idaho. And may God rest his soul. Maybe you are like me and never heard about this true American hero. It took a long-time personal high school friend of mine by the name of Rob to bring it to my attention. Why? Because when Ed Freeman died recently, the television news, the radio news, and the newspapers didn't report it to the American people. Instead, we got our usual dose of Hollywood scandals, corrupt politicians, and other breaking headline news that is supposed to grab our attention and make us gasp in horror or disgust. Like thousands of my brothers and sisters in the military who have served our country with honor or are serving her now, I am personally outraged. I promised my best friend Rob that I would create something that would do honor to Ed Freeman and the 3,409 men and women Medal of Honor recipients before him and those who will come after him who unselfishly put their own lives on the line for their fellow soldiers and their country. Here is the official Medal of Honor citation that Ed Freeman received. Captain Ed W. Freeman, United States Army, distinguished himself by numerous acts of conspicuous gallantry and extraordinary intrepidity on 14 November 1965 while serving with Company A the 229th Assault Helicopter Battalion, 1st Cavalry Division, Air Mobile. As a flight leader and second-in-command of a 16-helicopter lift unit, he supported a heavily engaged American Infantry Battalion at Landing Zone X-Ray in the Idrang Valley, Republic of Vietnam. The unit was almost out of ammunition 
after taking some of the heaviest casualties of the war, fighting off a relentless attack from a highly motivated, heavily armed enemy force. When the infantry commander closed the helicopter landing zone due to intense direct enemy fire, Captain Freeman risked his own life by flying his unarmed helicopter through a gauntlet of enemy fire time after time, delivering critically needed ammunition, water, and medical supplies to the besieged battalion. His flights had a direct impact on the battle's outcome by providing the engaged units with timely supplies of ammunition critical to their own survival, without which they would almost surely have gone down with much greater loss of life. After medical evacuation helicopters refused to fly into the area due to the intense enemy fire, Captain Freeman flew 14 separate rescue missions, providing life-saving evacuation of an estimated 30 seriously wounded soldiers, some of whom would not have survived had he not acted. All flights were made into a small emergency landing zone within 100 to 200 meters of the defensive perimeter where heavily committed units were perilously holding off the attacking elements. Captain Freeman's selfless acts of great valor, extraordinary perseverance, and intrepidity were far above and beyond the call of duty or mission and set a superb example of leadership and courage for all his peers. Captain Freeman's extraordinary heroism and devotion to duty are in keeping with the highest traditions of military service and reflect great credit upon himself, his unit, and the United States Army. I have put this up on all of my feeds and military sites that I am personally affiliated with. If you too believe we should let the world know of not only Ed Freeman, but the other Medal of Honor recipients whose actions have preserved the very rights that the news media has but chose to ignore Ed's story as important, then please pass this along to everyone that you know. Ed Freeman was an ordinary man, placed in unusual circumstances. But when it came to his own personal survival or helping out his fellow soldiers, he never hesitated. When I read about this, I cried. I never knew Ed Freeman, but he was my brother and a true American hero. This is Dave Rabbit, and that's how I feel. Many men have gone. And that pretty well sums up the way I feel about it as well. I hope you've enjoyed hearing that story. I find it to be compelling, uplifting, sad, but one of the necessary things that secures our freedom. I'm going to read a couple of quotes from some other 
individuals here. Both of them happen to be presidents of the United States to lead us into break. And uh, they're from both sides of the aisle. Not trying to be political here, folks. But I find these quotes to be very, very compelling. First one comes from John F. Kennedy, who I think we could agree is one of the greatest orators of present times. Let every nation know, whether it wishes us well or ill, that we shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, and oppose any foe to assure the survival and success of liberty. The next one comes with some wisdom about Memorial Day and what it means from Woodrow Wilson. They do not need our praise. They do not need that our admiration should sustain them. There is no immortality that is safer than theirs. We come not for their sakes, but for our own, in order that we may drink at the same springs of inspiration from which they themselves drank. Very wise words, words for the ages. We've got to go to break. This break is presented by our friends at Mossy Oak Properties, Hart Realty in Munfordville, Kentucky. They can help you attain your dream property of all dreams. They have everything from cabins on creeks to farms with ponds, uh, large acreage that you can manage for wildlife. Again, it's Mossy Oak Properties, Hart Realty. They're a new sponsor. Check them out. They can take great care of you. We'll be back right after this. And we're back on Jim Strader Outdoors. And in keeping with our theme, which, of course, is Memorial Day and a tribute to those who have died in honor of our country, there's another individual who did not die in combat whose story I found extremely uplifting because this is a gentleman who literally went through hell on two different occasions. Again, he was a Vietnam veteran. He passed November 29th of 1998. I think we can all agree that he was willing to give his life for his country and indeed served in that capacity to the day he died. His name is Roy Benavidez, and his story is very, very compelling. We're going to open with President Ronald Reagan's speech, giving him the Congressional Medal of Honor, and then hear his story in his own words. Again, it's Roy Benavides, Sergeant Roy Benavides. On the morning of May 2nd, 1968, a 12-man Special Forces Reconnaissance Team was inserted by helicopters in a dense jungle area west of Loc Ninh, Vietnam, to gather intelligence information about confirmed large-scale enemy activity. This area was controlled and routinely patrolled by the North Vietnamese Army. After a short period of time on the ground, the team met heavy enemy resistance and requested emergency extraction. Three helicopters attempted extraction, but were unable to land due to intense enemy small arms and anti-aircraft fire. Sergeant Vietnavides was at the forward operating base in Loc Ninh monitoring the operation by radio when these helicopters returned to offload wounded crew members and to assess aircraft damage. Sergeant Benavides voluntarily boarded a returning aircraft to assist in another extraction attempt. Real- 
realizing that all the team members were either dead or wounded and unable to move to the pickup zone, he directed the aircraft to a nearby clearing where he jumped from the hovering helicopter and ran approximately 75 meters under withering small arms fire to the crippled team. Prior to reaching the team's position, he was wounded in his right leg, face, and head. Despite these painful injuries, he took charge, repositioning the team members and directing their fire to facilitate the landing of an extraction aircraft and the loading of wounded and dead team members. He then threw smoke canisters to direct the aircraft to the team's position. Despite his severe wounds and under intense enemy fire, he carried and dragged half of the wounded team members to the awaiting aircraft. He then provided protective fire by running alongside the aircraft as it moved to pick up the remaining team members. As the enemy's fire intensified, he hurried to recover the body and the classified documents on the dead team leader. When he reached the team leader's body, Sergeant Benavides was severely wounded by small arms fire in the abdomen and grenade fragments in his back. At nearly the same moment, the aircraft pilot was mortally wounded and his helicopter crashed. Although in extremely critical condition due to his multiple wounds, Sergeant Benavides secured the classified documents and made his way back to the wreckage where he aided the wounded out of the overturned aircraft and gathered the stunned survivors into a defensive perimeter. Under increasing enemy automatic weapons and grenade fire, he moved around the perimeter, distributing water and ammunition to his weary men, reinstilling in them a will to live and fight. Facing a buildup of enemy opposition with a beleaguered team, Sergeant Benavides mustered his strength and began calling in tactical airstrikes and directing the fire from supporting gunships to suppress the enemy's fire and so permit another extraction attempt. He was wounded again in his thigh by small arms fire while administering first aid to a wounded team member just before another extraction helicopter was able to land. His indomitable spirit kept him going as he began to carry his comrades to the craft. On his second trip with the wounded, he was clubbed from behind by an enemy soldier. In the ensuing hand-to-hand -hand combat, he sustained additional wounds to his head and arms before killing his adversary. He then continued under devastating fire to carry the wounded to the helicopter. Upon reaching the aircraft, he spotted and killed two enemy soldiers who were rushing the craft from an angle that prevented the aircraft door gunner from firing upon them. With little strength remaining, he made one last trip to the perimeter to ensure that all classified material had been collected or destroyed and to bring in the remaining wounded. Only then, in serious condition from numerous wounds and loss of blood, did he allow himself to be pulled into the extraction aircraft. Sergeant Benavides' gallant choice to join voluntarily his comrades who were in critical straits, to expose himself constantly to withering enemy fire, and his refusal to be stopped despite numerous severe wounds saved the lives of at least eight men. His fearless personal leadership, tenacious devotion to duty, and extremely valorous actions in the face of overwhelming odds were in keeping with the finest traditions of the military service and reflect the utmost credit on him and the United States Army. Sergeant Benedictus, a nation grateful to you and to all your comrades living and dead, awards you its highest symbol of gratitude for service above and beyond the call of duty, the Congressional Medal of Honor. Now, ladies and gentlemen, those are the words, of course, of President Ronald Reagan as he gave Sergeant Benavides his 
metal, but the real story here are Benavidez's own words where he describes the horrors of the day in hell that he spent saving his comrades, securing information that was vital to our success in the war, and, of course, defending our freedoms. I give you Sergeant Benavides. So, So I went back to Vietnam in 1968. The latter part of April, I was inserted, my buddy and I, to gather intelligence information behind enemy lines. And after two days on the ground, my buddy was shot through the eye, the back, and the legs. Our mission was complete, but I didn't want to leave my buddy behind. I called in for an extraction helicopter to come and get us out. They came in with the McGuire rig. McGuire rig is nothing but a piece of rope, nylon rope with a hook. In that case, there was two ropes. We hooked on. The enemy was firing at us. We pulled up, going up through the canopy of the jungle. Our rope started to twist and rub. You know, nylon, it burns when it rubs. As we cleared the canopy, our ropes were completely twisted and rubbing. And there was a non-commissioned officer that looked out of the helicopter. He was riding as a safety man. And when he saw those two ropes burning, he immediately tied himself with a piece of rope around his waist, and he pulled himself out of the helicopter and undid those two ropes, separated them. That's dedication. That's love of fellow man and country. I'll never forget that man. And the enemy was still firing at us, but they never shot us. We landed. We landed in a safe spot. My buddy was taken to the hospital shortly thereafter. He expired. I was in another staging area waiting for our next assignment. When I heard on the radio something like a popcorn machine, then I heard a voice: "Get us out of here! Get us out of here! Come in and get us out quick, ASAP!" I asked the radio operator, who are those? He said, I don't know. They haven't gave us any call sign. And I saw some helicopter pilots run to the flight line, scrambling. I ran right behind them. We saw a helicopter coming in to land and had a door gunner slumped over his weapon. When the helicopter landed, I unstrapped the door gunner, Michael Craig, 19 years old. We just celebrated his 19th birthday in March. I cradled him in my arms, and his last words were, My God, my mother and father. I asked the pilot, Who are the people on the ground? He said, Hey, he said, This is that black NCO, that non-commissioned officer saved your life the other day, remember? I said, Leroy rides. Leroy always got, always got picked for Top secret assignments, him and Musso and O'Connor. So it was an instant reaction. I saw a bag of medical supplies, I picked it up, went over to my helicopter, got on the helicopter, we got on with the forward air controller, the guy in, he said, You can't go in there, you can't go in. It's too hot. Little did I know that I was going to spend six hours in hell. You heard what the president read the citation of how I earned the Medal of Honor. But he didn't tell you of what I went through when I in, engaged in the hand-to-hand combat. I was hitting the mouth with the butt of the weapon. My jaws were locked. After my last return back 
to the helicopter when I was boarded on. I was holding my intestines in my hand. We lifted up. The helicopter had over its payload. Blood was flowing on both sides of the helicopter. When we landed, it locked me in our staging area. And it started unloading. It started identifying the bodies. They found out I loaded three dead enemy soldiers in that helicopter. I didn't want to leave anybody behind. My mission, my mission was to recover the classified material, so if anybody had it, I, I, he was on a helicopter. So they left, they left the three enemy soldiers on the side, and because I sort of look oriental, they thought I was one of them, so they let me lay right next to them. And they were putting us in body bags. And I remember my feet being lifted, and I was inserted into the body bag, and I could hear that zipper coming up, and I thought, oh, my God, no, no. My eyes were shut because I had blood all over my face, my eyes, and the blood had dried up in my eyelids. And I couldn't talk because my jaws were locked, and I could hear that zipper coming up, coming up, and one of my buddies was doing the Mexican head dance, and he was yelling at the doctor, that's Roy, that's Roy Benavides. The doctor said, sorry, there's nothing I can do for him. Oh, my God, that zipper just, just coming up. I was trying to wiggle in my own blood. And finally, I found out later, Jerry Cottenham made that doctor at least to feel my heartbeat. When I felt that hand on my chest, I made the luckiest shot I ever made in my life. I spit in the doctor's face. <laughs> So the doctor said, I think he'll make it. He'll... So I, uh, I was uh, cleaned up, put in a helicopter, alongside with my buddy, one of the guys that I had saved. We got airborne, and I just said to myself, hold on, buddy, just hold on. We're going to get some medical attention. And his grip tightened up on me. And then he let go. I said, oh, God, why do you put me through this test? Why? You helped me get these men out, save them, save this material, and now you take them away from me. Why? And I was crying. I was moving so much at the co-pilot. He happened to look back, and he thought that I was gasping for air, so he gets out of his seat, get his bayonet out, and he's going to do a track on me, and I'm about to kick him out of the helicopter. <laughs> That's just too much for one day. So they, we landed in the hospital at, at uh, Long Bend. I was flown to the operating room. And as I was being lifted to my operating table, I saw this nurse on her hands and knees crying, yelling, asking God, why do you do this to these men? Why? Just crying. And I turned a little bit to my left. I saw on the other operating table a man that had both legs and both arms missing. I passed out. 
I woke up in the ward. One of my buddies was laying next to me. We were so bandaged up, we couldn't talk. We used to wiggle our toes to make sure that we were still alive. After a short while, my buddy was transferred from there, and I thought he had died. I was transferred to Japan, Tachikawa. In the airplane that I was flying in Matavak, we lost two men. And I remember this nurse kept yelling at me. Benavides, you're not going to die on me. I'm going to pinch you every time you close your eyes. I'm going to pinch you. I'm going to pinch you. Boy, she kept pinching me. When I got to Tachikawa, when I got to Japan, and they wheeled me into the operating room, they just drove me again. I remember the doctor. I heard him say, what in the world happened to you? I had blue spots, red spots all over me. Because that lady kept pinching me up there. <laughs> So after, I went back to Fort Sam Houston, the Beach Pavilion. And I stayed in that hospital almost a year. I continued with my career. And then I was awarded with a medal. I was dedicating myself to come and speak to schools, to civic groups, to help anyone that I can help. My life was spared for a reason. And I hope there's a good reason. A lot of people call me a hero. I appreciate the title. But the real heroes are the ones that gave their life for this country. The real heroes are our wives, our mothers. Above all, the heroes are the ones that are laying in those hospitals, disabled for life in those hospital beds. But the real heroes are the future leaders of our country, these students that are staying in school and learning to say no to drugs. Those are our real heroes. You know, there's a saying among us veterans, for those that had fought for it, life has a special flavor that protected will never know. You have never lived till you almost died. And it is us veterans that pray for peace most of all, especially the wounded, because we have to suffer the wounds of war. I'm asked hundreds of times, would you do it over again? In my 25 years in the military, I feel like I've been overpaid for the service to my country. There'll never be enough paper to print the money, nor enough gold in Fort Knox for me to have to keep from doing what I did. I'm proud of being American, and even prouder. And I'm even prouder that I've earned the privilege to wear the Green Beret. I live by the motto of duty, 
honor country. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. God bless you. And God bless America. And welcome back to Jim Strader Outdoors. Again, we're doing a Memorial Day tribute for the obvious reasons. This is the weekend for such. And we'll have more informative and heart-rending stories to share with you coming back from the news. Welcome back to Jim Strader Outdoors. This is hour number two. And if you're just joining the program, we're doing a special tribute this evening, for the obvious reasons, it's the Memorial Day weekend, and we are making our attempt to honor those who made the ultimate sacrifice and to bring you some stories of folks who were very brave and courageous in face of loss of life. You know, these situations are such that with most of these folks, there's a familiar refrain, if you will, and it is that they died because they wanted to save their comrades' lives. Uh, we gave some time to Ed Freeman, who was a very brave helicopter pilot in Vietnam. Roy Benavides, who was a sergeant and served and received the Congressional Medal of Honor, as did Ed Freeman. And they're folks that kind of get lost in history. And I found their stories to be very compelling. We're going to begin the second hour with the same quote from Ronald Reagan that we started in the first iron case, some of you are just now joining us. It is a Memorial Day speech by President Reagan, and I found it to be extremely informative and really timeless. A lot of things he's saying here are to the point today. So we will move forward here with President Reagan's Memorial Day speech. If we look to the answer... As to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. The price for this freedom at times has been high. We have never been unwilling to pay that price. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. Each one of those markers is a monument to the kind of hero I spoke of earlier. Their lives ended in places called Bellow Wood, the Argonne, Omaha Beach, Salerno, and halfway around the world on Guadalcanal, Tarawa, Porkchop Hill, the Chosin Reservoir, and in a hundred rice paddies and jungles of a place called Vietnam. Under one such marker lies a young man, Martin Treptow, 
who left his job in a small-town barber shop in 1917 to go to France with the famed Rainbow Division. There on the Western Front, he was killed trying to carry a message between battalions under heavy artillery fire. We're told that on his body was found a diary. On the flyleaf, under the heading, My Pledge, he had written these words. America must win this war. Therefore, I will work, I will save, I will sacrifice, I will endure. I will fight cheerfully and do my utmost as if the issue of the whole struggle depended on me alone. We must realize that no arsenal or no weapon in the arsenals of the world is so formidable as the will and moral courage of free men and women. It is a weapon our adversaries in today's world do not have. It is a weapon that we as Americans do have. Let that be understood by those who practice terrorism and prey upon their neighbors. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. And again, I think one of the most interesting things about that speech, if you listen to it closely, is that President Reagan's voice broke several times and for obvious reasons. So I appreciate you listening to that. We've got a caller here that would like to speak to us. Uh, Paul, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Welcome aboard, sir. Well, thank you. Well, I'm a Vietnam veteran, and I came back 46 years ago, and and uh, I just want to congratulate you on doing a, a show where you're actually paying tribute to this, and, and I really do appreciate it. I mean, as a 19-year-old kid, I got back from Vietnam, and I remember walking in New York City from the Port Authority to Grand Central Station carrying my own duffel bag, and people looking at me like I was absolutely nothing. There was no fanfare or anything like that. And we were like considered, I mean, like basically the scum of the earth. And it just, it just, it does my heart good to hear you paying tribute to it. And I just, it just, I I can't even say anything else. The words can't express. I appreciate you taking the time out tonight on your show to pay tribute to any veteran, but especially Vietnam veterans, because when we came back, I mean, we had so many jerks around this country that just treated us like we were nothing. And I was, I came back three weeks short of my 20th birthday. I was nothing but a kid. I think back on that now, and I just, I mean, but I was smarter than them, and I survived it. So, well, Paul, I can say. Paul, thank you so much for your service to the country. There was a reason I chose those two Vietnam veterans, and it was because of the way you folks were treated when you came home from war. You deserve more. You deserve better. Uh, I was Vietnam era myself, and I did not serve. I didn't go to Vietnam, but I saw 
that disgraceful behavior, and to this day it makes me so angry I can't stand it. And you all definitely deserve better. And I guess the important thing I wanted to do was shed light on the character, loyalty, and bravery of individuals who served in that war. And, and uh, again, thank you, sir, for your service. And you know what? It's not It's not a matter of whether you served or not. The fact that you're 45, 50 years later, you're paying tribute to the Vietnam veteran. And this is, you know, like, like I hear all this nonsense now. Well, Donald Trump didn't go to Vietnam, but you know what? He's paying. He respects them, and that's what it's all about. It's who respects you, and that's what that's what really counts in life. Well, that's exactly right. And for any of our service people, no matter where they serve, if they were willing to put their lives on the line, we better be showing them a debt of gratitude because that's what they deserve. So, many thank th- you very, th- thank you very much, Jim. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Paul. It was a very small measure for me. Let me tell you, I I feel privileged to be able to pass this stuff on. I've got a proclamation here I'd like to read, and I think you folks will find this very, very interesting because it kind of illustrates how times have changed, and it also, I think, sheds light on what I find to be a shining light, an ideology that we need to pay attention to in today's troubled times. This proclamation was done by John F. Kennedy, and it was a prayer for peace on Memorial Day in 1961. Where is the high courage and the supreme sacrifice of Americans who gave their lives in battle have made it possible for our land to flourish under freedom and justice? And where is the ideals and patriotism of those who answered the call to service, stand as an inspiration to every new generation of Americans, and whereas the same principles and revolutionary beliefs for which our forebears fought and died are still at issue in this world, and the challenge against them can be met only through the same qualities of courage, strength, and unflinching determination shown by our noble dead. And whereas Memorial Day each year provides a fitting occasion upon which our people may not only commemorate the nation's heroic dead, but also unite in prayer for the preservation of liberty and peace free from the threat of war. And whereas, to this end, the Congress, in a joint resolution approved May 11, 1950, requested the President to issue a proclamation calling upon the people of the United States to observe each Memorial Day as a day of prayer for permanent peace. Now, therefore, I, John F. Kennedy, President of the United States, do hereby urge the people of the United States to observe Tuesday, May 30th, 1961, Memorial Day, by invoking the blessing of God on those who have died in defense of our country and by praying for a new world of law where peace and justice shall prevail and a life of opportunity shall be assured for all. And I designate the hour beginning in each locality at 11 o'clock in the morning of that day as the time to unite in such prayer. I also urge the press, radio, television, and all other media of information to cooperate in this observance. And witness thereof, I have hereunto set my hand and caused the seal of the United States of America to be affixed. Again, that was a proclamation by John F. Kennedy, words of wisdom for today. We've got to go to break here, folks. This break is presented by SMI Marine, 11400 Westport Road. You never get soaked at SMI. 
Welcome back to Jim Strader Outdoors. In keeping with our theme this evening, we have another speech, which is quite emotional, and you will quickly discern why. It was made by Lieutenant Colonel Jacob Peterson on a Memorial Day tribute. Aloha. Uh, what a beautiful day. Um, the, the cemetery looks absolutely gorgeous. I'd like to uh, give a round of applause to all that that, um, that helped put this thing together. The VFW, the uh, Ladies Auxiliary, uh, the Boy Scouts, uh, JROTC. Um, just a fantastic uh, job putting this thing together. So I'd like to give them a round of applause. Please. There are about 25 million living American veterans today. And since General Washington commanded the the Continental Army, 42 million Americans have served the colors. A million more have been killed in its defense, and another million and a half wounded. These are small numbers compared to the billions across the planet, and billions yet still unborn that live free because Americans have fought and died for their freedom. Memorial Day was established by presidential decree on the 5th of May, 1868, and first observed later that month on the 30th when all the graves at Arlington National Cemetery were decorated with flowers and flags. Through the years, Memorial Day continued to mean visiting and decorating graves or town square memorials to those who died serving our great nation and celebrating with parades and civic events. Americans in the past kept the day quiet, pausing to remember, at least for a little while, the kind of men and women that so willingly gave that last full measure. When I was growing up, I felt in awe of my grandfather's generation. Guadalcanal, Sicily, Tarawa, Salerno, Iwo Jima, Normandy, those places were real to them. They lived it. Then came my father's generation, trudging through the jungles of Vietnam. It was a bit different then. We removed our hats during the national anthem. We said the Pledge of Allegiance before school, and it didn't offend anyone's sensitivities or seen as trampling on the rights of anyone else. Memorial Day was a day to remember our heroes with the day of reverence to repay the debt that we could truly never repay. We live in a different time today. And people have indeed lost something of quality over the years. We don't always see that same selfless devotion to something bigger than ourselves. Memorial Day today is is more about a day to take advantage of the big sales at the malls, 
or fighting the traffic to, to uh, get to the beach for a long weekend. But we should be ashamed of ourselves if we forget that as we enjoy the long weekend, that we are again at war today, and a new generation continues to fight and win. against an enemy on our behalf in Afghanistan and other locations around the, around the globe. And in contrast, my grandfather and father's generations where nearly everyone had family that served, only about 1% of Americans served today. But I can say with confidence that Americans will always stand for what is right. I brought my son Bo here today. And when I look at him, I know that his generation will carry on that tradition, too. Nope, they'll carry on that American legacy forward, just as his father and grandfather had done as well. Why? Because we love America and are willing to die for freedom in our way of life. Memorial Day is not as much for our families of the fallen or for us who have been to combat and endure losses. We remember those guys every day. Memorial Day is for the rest of the nation's citizens to remember and say thank you to those that have fallen and given so much to all of us. May all of our fallen rest peacefully. May we who love them find peace and understanding in their sacrifice. And that the America that they so loved and protected and gave their lives for is forever worthy. We will never forget you. God bless America. I love America. Thank you. And thank you, Lieutenant Colonel Peterson, for being brave enough to show your emotion. we got to go to break. It's presented by Mossy Oak Properties Heart Realty. Check them out at M-O-P-H-A-R-T Realty. You'll like what you find. And we're back on Jim Strader Outdoors. And, again, continuing with the theme, which of course is Memorial Day, I have a speech by John F. Kennedy, President John F. Kennedy, that I think says it extremely well. He was one of the great orators of our times, and I think he really did a great job on this. In his speech, he started, A nation reveals itself not only by the men it produces, but also by the men it honors, the men it remembers. Today, we remember and honor the American soldiers, ordinary men and women who died while in military service. It is fitting that our nation chooses the last Monday in May as Memorial Day. This day marks the beginning of summer, and what could be a more fitting tribute to men and women who died in service to their country than the day that gives birth to a season filled with warmth and life. Memorial Day is not to be a day of solemn mourning, but a day of reverent celebration. Since 1866, 
when the people of Waterloo, New York, dipped their flags to half-mast and decorated their village to remember the soldiers who died during the Civil War, our nation has paid tribute to those lives of all servicemen and women who have fallen in the line of duty. And since 1948, Arlington National Cemetery has decorated each of its graves with our nation's flag. Thousands of servicemen and women plant the flag at the base of the gravestone in order to lift up the lives of those heroes. The graves at Arlington and at countless cemeteries worldwide remind us that freedom is not free. It has a cost. The soldiers resting there lived supporting the lives and the values that create the backbone of our nation. These soldiers share a special heritage, a common bond with today's soldiers. If you would look into their lives, whether privates or generals, you would see practice the same Army values, loyalty, duty, respect, selfless service, honor, integrity, and personal courage. These were ordinary men and women who rose to meet seemingly impossible odds and did extraordinary things. These brave men and women left the safety of their sovereign soil to defeat tyrants, ensure justice, and fulfill the promise of safety and security for our citizens and the global community. Their lives were dedicated not to conflict or death, but to compassion and to life. We have all been touched by the ultimate sacrifice soldiers have made in service to our country and the suffering it has brought to mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, spouses, and friends. We remember the families of the missing and the Gold Star families who lost soldiers to illness, injury, and combat, who stood strong through uncertainty and whose resilience, dedication, and commitment to their soldiers continue to shine as beacons through the darkest hours for the rest of us. Today, I ask you to remember and honor the missing as well. Our nation is committed to the warrior ethos. I will never leave a fallen comrade behind and continues its efforts to locate, identify, and repatriate those men and women who have not returned home. Today is more than a day to celebrate those who gave their lives in service to the nation. We should take the opportunity, in a less final and less heroic way, to be able to strengthen ourselves for what lies ahead. For nearly 10 years, we've been engaged in a long-term struggle against violent extremism. Iraq is on a path toward a more stable democracy. Every day, we and our coalition partners make advances to ensuring a more secure Afghanistan. But our job isn't done. Though we've been resilient in meeting the challenges of war, we must prepare for the challenges of the next 10 years as well. In this world, terror will not rest, violence will not sleep, evil will not die. If we honor and remember those who have served, compassion will prevail. Justice will triumph and freedom will reign. I ask you to remember those who stand shoulder to shoulder against terror and oppression to carry freedom's torch in foreign lands. Remember the soldiers. Support their families. Never forget the missing and rejoice in their lives. Let this Memorial Day be a beginning, a rebirth, 
of our commitment to live and to serve with passion, joy, and enthusiasm. Let us start summer with a triumphant and joyous song as we celebrate liberty, love, and life. Rain's true today. And there's a lot of comments there, if you listen to it closely, that tells you that it carries on. We've got to go to break here, and we'll be back after break. This break is presented by my friends at SMI Marine, 11400 Westport Road, just north of the Snyder. They'll take great care of you. Be sure and tell them Jimbo sent you. And remember, you never get soaked at SMI. Welcome back to Jim Strader Outdoors. And I've got some quotes here that I'd like to share because I think they do shed a lot of light on what we are doing on Memorial Day to honor our fallen heroes. This one comes from Franklin D. Roosevelt, President Roosevelt. In the truest sense, freedom cannot be bestowed. It must be achieved. And we all know that he was very aware of those horrors of war. That's a very great quote, I think, from an individual who saw us through some very tough times. This one comes from President Herbert Hoover. It was the transcendent fortitude and steadfastness of these men who in adversity and in suffering through the darkest hour of our history held faithful to an ideal. Here men endured that a nation might live. President Calvin Coolidge, heroism is not only in the man, but in the occasion. And that one obviously says worlds of words and wisdom because it's in the hour of peril that we see these heroes step forward. President George W. H. W. Bush, each of the patriots whom we remember on this day was first a beloved son or daughter, a brother or sister, or spouse, friend, and neighbor. President Harry S. Truman, another president, saw the horrors of war, had to make very, very difficult decisions. Our debt to the heroic men and valiant women in the service of our country can never be repaid. They have earned our undying gratitude. America will never forget their sacrifices. And I hope we can remember these quotes and take them into our hearts, folks, because these people paid a tremendous price, as we all know. They call it the ultimate sacrifice, and obviously it is. If any of you have any thoughts about these things, we'll be glad to hear from you here after we do this short break. I'd love to hear what your thoughts about Memorial Day and what it should mean to all of us Americans. And we'd love to hear from you. 571-8484-1-800-444-8484. Pound 840 for the free Verizon wireless calls. This break is presented by my friends at Mossy Oak Properties Heart Realty. They have all kind of vacation properties, farms, Wildlife management properties for sale. I'd love for you to check them out at mophartrealty.com. You'll like what you find. 
And welcome back to Jim Strader Outdoors. Again, if you'd like to give us a call here in the closing moments of the show, we'd love to hear from you about tonight's program or any thoughts you have about honoring those who served on Memorial Day. Those numbers are 571-8484, pound 840 for the free Verizon wireless calls. You know, putting a show like this together is kind of a Herculean task in a way because you try to choose those things that you think would resonate with your listeners, with those of you we network with every week. And it's a humbling experience in a way because there are so many quotes from so many different places that picking ones that seem to best personify perhaps what we should think about or remember on Memorial Day as a tribute to those who gave the sacrifice, it's it's humbling. It, It really is. And I hope you've enjoyed this, and I hope it's made you aware that there was tremendous sacrifice. You know, this isn't Hollywood. This is the real world. These are folks that literally gave everything that they had. They'll never see their loved ones again. They'll never see their home again. It's it's a sacrifice that's really unbelievably horrible to imagine in many regards. Uh, I've had the opportunity to talk to many, many folks who served in, in various wars. Some of them were my personal heroes. And some of the things that they described to me were just unbelievable. But they stood the test. And those of them that came home, of course, are there, I think, for us to realize we need to be thankful for their service. And I will challenge each of you as you go through the rest of the day, the rest of the week, and perhaps the rest of your life. When you see someone who's serving in the armed forces who has, take time to do what I do. Look them in the eye, thank them for their service, and express gratitude that they are out there protecting us so we can enjoy our freedoms. Let's go to uh, Richard, who has a Memorial Day comment he'd like to make. Yes, Richard, welcome yeah, aboard. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate your taking time and pl- playing the various tapes you played and reading the, reading that last speech, too. Um, yeah, I, my father was in World War II, and yeah. so was an uncle. And my uncle was a prisoner uh, of Japan, and he was on the Bataan Death March under... Uh, General Jonathan Wainwright, and uh, so I, I do appreciate your observances there. Uh, one, the the, uh, the uh, soldier that read the speech, uh, read his own speech. Uh, he made several good points. Uh, I guess that what struck me the most was the the irony of uh, what we do today. I mean, for the most part, people just worry about going to the next. Going to a picnic or finding their uh, finding whatever their pleasure is for Memorial Day, and uh, don't really think about the sacrifices that the soldiers have made to to keep us free. So uh, I'm glad you took time to observe the sacrifices in your program. I, I, but I, I have another question too. That's, that last speech that you read was that. Was that John F. Kennedy, or was it someone more recent? Uh, the last speech was John F. Kennedy, yes. 
Okay, he was mentioned. He mentioned Iraq and Afghanistan. I, I, I wasn't aware that we were we had much conflict at all at that time, but I guess we did. Well, that stuff's been going on over there for a long, long time, actually. Yeah. Well, that that speech uh, documents the fact. I just uh, didn't realize that we were we had conflicts over there during during. JFK's time in office. Thank you again very much. Okay, Richard, thank you. Let's go to Steve, who has a veteran story from New Salisbury, Indiana. Yes, Steve, you're up. Yeah, I I just wanted to tell you one of the – I I spent 21 years in the Navy, but uh, in 1970 I was getting ready to – I was getting discharged from my first, uh, first enlistment, and I came back on. I got back to uh, Great Lakes to get uh, go through processing to get discharged uh, uh, the fourth of January of 1970. And I, I checked in. I didn't have to be back there till the fourth. And I was from Southern Indiana, so I came uh, went out to the airport to fly home for a couple, uh, you know, a week or so. And um, I was eating in the uh, restaurant in O'Hare Airport, and uh, I went to pay my bill, and uh, uh, the waitress told me it had already been taken care of. And I said, well, who paid for it? And she said, well, that little, little old lady sitting over in the corner. Well, I went over and talked to her, and come to find out her, her son had been killed in the attack on Pearl Harbor. And she she told me that every uh, Christmas Eve she comes out there, and any Navy people would come through there. She and she told me she she'll sit there for six six eight hours. She would pay for their supper, and that that was back when uh, uh, you know the. U.S. military was really uh, demonized by everybody. So that that was that was big. Uh, probably the one of the better highlights of my military career. I, I can certainly understand that, Steve. Uh, obviously, she had a very deep appreciation for. I I still remember that to this day. I mean, that, like I said, that's. Uh, uh, that's the story I tell to everybody. Yeah, I can certainly appreciate that because that's one of those things in life that comes along and the kindness and the sincerity and the sensitivity which she brought to well, bear for you. Was, well, I, I, I did get out for a little over a year, and then I went back in and did another 17 years. <laughs> well... <laughs> You, you feel like that event maybe helped you to make that decision? Well, I wish I was young enough to go do it again. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your service, my friend. Yeah, okay. Have, have a good evening. Yes, sir, you do thank, the same. Thank you. Yes, sir, thank you so much. Boy, you're just overwhelmed when you hear stories like that because they're so heartwarming and come from folks who are in the military and and shown the right type of appreciation. I, again, was Vietnam era and saw how my fellow comrades were treated when they came back, and it just made me so angry that 
words can't describe it. And it's something that, uh, in some instances, I didn't suffer very well. If you can read between the lines here, some folks, uh, need to be told to keep their mouth shut when they're disrespecting our country, our soldiers, and our freedoms. I'm going to read some more quotes here as we move towards the top of the hour. We've got about two minutes, and I think you'll enjoy the wisdom in them. Melody Beatty, gratitude makes sense of our past, brings peace for today, and creates a vision for tomorrow. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, the great poet, your silent tints of green we deck with fragrant flowers. Yours has the suffering been, the memory shall be ours. Joseph Rodman Drake, and they who for their country die shall fill an honored grave. For glory lights the soldier's tomb, and beauty weeps the brave. President Barack Obama, our nation owes a debt to its fallen heroes that we can never fully repay but we can honor their sacrifice. Admiral Force P. Sherman, for today, let us as Americans honor the American fighting man, for is he, the soldier, the sailor, the airman, the marine, who has fought to preserve freedom. It is his valor that has given renewed hope to the free world that by working together in discipline and faith, our ideals of freedom will always prevail. Folks, I enjoyed the program tonight immensely. I hope you did. It was inspiring to me to put together, quite frankly. Uh, Brought me to tears several times as I was doing so, but uh, that's part of uh, caring, I suspect. We'll be here next week, same place, same time. Have a safe holiday, and please remember the reason for this holiday. Adios, everybody. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.